Good morning. Welcome to uh, those of you who are joining us online and those of you who are with us uh, this morning in the building. It's uh, great to see you and to be seen by you uh, out there. We come together together today to to worship, to give thanks, to celebrate uh, God and all that he's done for us. We're thinking uh, about love and about faithfulness and uh, all of those things. And so as we do that, let's, uh, let's pray together. Our Father, we are here this morning to worship. Whether we've come from a week of busyness, loneliness, joy, disappointment, or anything in between, we leave it aside and we come to focus on you. We thank you for this new day that you've given us, for the opportunities it brings and the things that we are going to be able to enjoy in it, times that we'll share with family or with friends and with you. We thank you that we have so much that we should give thanks for. So much that's good, that brings us pleasure, that causes us to rejoice. We praise you that you always want what's best for us. And you want us to enjoy life in all its fullness. Would you forgive us that we sometimes fail to count our blessings that we let familiarity blind us to how fortunate we are. And we fail to thank you for your many gifts. Forgive us that we fail to make the most of all that we've received, constantly looking for more and more instead of appreciating what we have. Lord, we come to you for mercy and depend on your grace to lift us up and renew us again. As we come to worship, you promise to renew our strength such that we can soar like eagles. Would you grant us your forgiveness and don't hold our faults against us. Assure us of your continuing love. You are all-powerful. You are everywhere. And you have a plan for each one of us. You promise to be with us in every situation that we face. So would you teach us to show our thanks, not just in these words, but in our daily living, in celebrating and sharing the wonder of life. Would you use this time of worship to touch our hearts, to speak to our minds and transform our lives. And as we say now together, the words that Jesus taught his friends, would you receive them from our hearts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Today's reading is from Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. 
Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why should you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. and Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So today uh, we are starting a new series in the book of Ruth from the Old Testament, and you'll see from that uh, picture, uh, it's a story of contrasts. And it's a good story. It's a story of love and faithfulness, of restoration and redemption, of despair and hope. Before we go any further, I just want to check that you are listening to the reading. When did the story take place? It was in the time of the judges, the very first words in the chapter, and it's very easy to to just slide by that during the time of the judges. So what was it like in Israel during the time of the judges? Well, if you read the book of Judges, it's a complete contrast to the book of Ruth. Judges includes the stories of lots and lots of people. Ruth is just a few. Judges is a relatively long book, while Ruth is one of the shortest. 
Judges covers the whole of Israel, but Ruth just one tiny town and, and a family. Judges spans around 200 years, and Ruth is really just one generation. You could read it as a kind of sort of, you know, Mills and Boone type romance. But actually, when you read it, you'll discover it's much more complicated than that. It was a period when God's people continued to move from disobedience to defeat to deliverance. The last verse in the book of Judges helps us to understand why. Judges 21-25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever he wanted. Now, that sounds pretty familiar. Even today, people do whatever they want. Actually, what happened was that cycle developed where God's people drifted away. And that was followed by a period of judgment that God sent. And then it was followed by a period of restoration and following God and back into the drifting away. We're told in Ruth chapter 1 verse 1 that there was a famine in Israel. And it may have been that this was during one of those periods of judgment. Elimelech left Bethlehem. Uh, with Naomi and their two sons and they settled in the land of Moab. If if you've been around church um, regularly, you probably know this and if not, um, you you really should know that there is very often significance in the names that appear in the stories. So here in the heart of an area of famine is the town of Bethlehem, which actually is called the House of Bread. So here in the middle of the famine is the house of bread. So something has happened to stop it being the house of bread. And then Elimelech translates as, my God is king. If they had only thought back to their history, they would have maybe learned the lesson from the past. And they would have understood that searching for food outside of Israel always led to trouble. Always. Read the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all of them got into bother when they disobeyed God and they went looking elsewhere. The thing is, you can pretty much see the land of Moab from Bethlehem. It's the hill country to the southeast. But it's a place where in the history of Israel... The people of Moab had led the Israelite men into immorality and pagan worship. And it was so bad that Moses had said to them that they must not have anything to do with Israel for ten generations. But what we discover is that as the Israelites moved into the promised land and they took over. They were faced with all of these enemies. And the Moabites had overcome Israel and ruled there until the Israelites drove them out under the leadership of the second of Israel's judges, left-handed Ehud. Now there's a story. If If you've got family, particularly boys, who love a really good story, that is fab. It's got everything you want. It's got spies, it's disgusting, it's got everything that boys love. Mm? A great, great, and I'm sure girls love it as well. But, fab story. 
But what we discover in Ruth is that here is Elimelech, potentially doubly disobeying God by trying to flee his judgment and looking for food and by going to live among the very people they had been told to avoid. So the story starts off with a series of wrong choices. And today I want to look at some of the good choices that we should make as the people of God. And the first one is this, to choose the right priorities. Naomi, Orpah and Ruth were eventually left without their husbands and they had no family. And so in those days that left them very little hope for the future. And so each of them had to prioritise their future options. And that's what Ruth was doing in verse 16 when she told Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And that word urge we understand has a, has a sense of, you know, really desperately, keenly trying to persuade somebody to do something, even begging them to do something. So in effect, Ruth was saying to Naomi, stop begging me to go back home to Moab. I want to do the right thing. I want to be with you. Ruth made that right choice, even in the worst of times. Her husband was dead. She was a poor widow. She could have gone back to her family and friends like Orpah did. But Ruth chose to stay with Naomi and made it a priority to look after her. She chose friendship. And the lesson here is that God wants us to choose the right priorities, and that is to be like him, to be generous, unselfish, and ministering to the needs of others. When we focus on ourselves, it's very easy to become bitter. And I suspect a little of that is what happened to Naomi. She became bitter. She was kind of, woe is me. Forgetting that her daughters, her daughters-in-law, had also suffered. And Ruth chose the unselfish path. She chose the right priorities, and so should we. But we know that choosing the right priority can be hard. Sometimes you'll not be appreciated. Naomi didn't appreciate what Ruth was trying to do. Orpah chose to return to her people and her gods. And she's never mentioned again. She prioritized what she knew, what she was familiar with, rather than sticking with Naomi and the uncertainty of going back to Naomi's people. And so Naomi tried to persuade Ruth to go back to Moab. And five different times in verses 18 to 15, sorry, verses 8 to 15, Naomi tried to get Ruth to go away. Here is somebody, a woman, an Israelite who believed in God. But she's essentially saying, go back to your gods. Ruth, go back to your gods. What on earth? Is she thinking? She was so unhappy. She was so bitter that she couldn't see the value of sharing about God with Ruth. Are there things that stop us sharing about God with other people? So, it reminds us also that we are going to get a lot of really terrible guidance as we go through life. 
There's going to be teachers, co-workers, misguided friends and family who will tell you that wrong is right and right is wrong. We live in a world of fake news and alternative facts and we've not to let ourselves be deceived. We should let God's word be the ultimate guide for our beliefs and our behaviour. And despite being unappreciated, Ruth did the right thing anyway. She chose the right priorities and so should we because it always makes a difference. So secondly then, having chosen the right priorities, it's about choosing the right place. And that's what Ruth did in verse 16. When she said, where you go, I will go. And where you live, I will live. She was blessed beyond measure because she chose to be in the right place. And notice that it's a total commitment that she's making. In verse 16, she didn't just say, where you go, I'll go. And once we've got there, I'll drop you off and I'll go back to my people. She said, no, where you go, I go. And where you live, I live. And where you die, I die. And because of that, she was blessed in ways that she couldn't even imagine. But what about her mother-in-law, Naomi? She was going back to a place that she should never have left. But the Lord blessed her as well. She probably didn't have much choice about leaving, if we're honest. She would have followed Elimelech. But even in these dire circumstances, she knows that she needs to go back. And she's not just going back to her people. She is also, in that sense, going back to God. And there's a lesson for us here. Maybe you've gone down the wrong path. Maybe you've moved away from God or for God's will for your life. But the truth is, when you realize that and turn back, he will always take you back. How do I know that? Because in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of a father who had two sons. And the youngest one essentially said to him, Dad, I wish you were dead. Just give me your money now. And I'm off. I actually don't care about you. I just want what's mine. And off he went. And he lost all the money and he ended up looking after pigs and he was eating the food for the pigs. And then Jesus, who is telling the story, says this, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he realized how stupid he had been, how far from the right place he was. He decided that he was going to go back to his father and he was looking simply to be allowed to be a servant in his father's house. And in one of the most grace-filled verses of Scripture, we read these words in Luke 15, 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now anybody listening to that would have been horrified. The very fact that the old man would run anywhere, this just wasn't done. And yet what Jesus is saying, here's a picture of God. Here's God watching and waiting. And in the distance, while you're still a long way off, he sees you and he runs to you, arms open, and doesn't take you back as a servant. He takes you back as his child. 
because he loves you and he is always, always willing to forgive. And so this boy is welcomed home as the son he truly was. What we also learn though is that his brother, the brother had never left home. His brother didn't share his father's joy at the return. He was angry and he was bitter. He had never learnt to enjoy his father's presence. And there's a real challenge for those of us who have been around church for a long time. Have we just been around church or have we been enjoying the presence of God? As Naomi and Ruth head back to Bethlehem, Ruth has chosen the right priorities and the right place. And thirdly, it's about choosing the right people. That's what Ruth was doing in verse 16 when she said, your people will be my people. She could have gone home, but she would have probably wound up worshipping these false gods that they worshipped. The people that we spend time with have a huge influence on us. Some of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made in my life were helped along by running with the wrong people. And some of my greatest victories came through the good people who influenced and helped me. We need to choose spend time when we can with people who will encourage us and build us up and help us. People with whom we can be ourselves without fear of ridicule or destructive criticism. We need to choose to meet as often as we can with the people of God so that we can be discipled and learn to disciple others. Making disciples is not just for a chosen few. It's not for the super spiritual or the ultra holy. It's not just for people who have a degree in theology, for church elders or ministers. All of God's people are supposed to be disciples of Jesus and make disciples of Jesus. God wants us to reach out to lost family and friends. He wants us to love them and share Jesus with them to help to meet their needs. And so we need to make good choices about the people we spend our time with. And lastly, it's about choosing the right provider. That's what Ruth did in verse 16 when she said, your God will be my God. We have no idea what Ruth knew about God. We have no idea But any conversations that ever took place where Naomi or anybody else explained any kind of theology to Ruth. We're told in verse 6 that they had heard that the Lord had come to the aid of his people in Israel and provided food. And that's, that's really it. Verses 20 and 21, Naomi says that it's the Lord who's brought her misfortune. And I suspect that she assumes that she must somehow have displeased God and he's punishing her. We don't know if there was anything in the way Naomi and her family behaved that drew Ruth towards God. It's quite likely that at least initially it was simply a commitment to Naomi rather than God. And that he kind of came along with the promise to be with Naomi. And yet in doing that even unwittingly Ruth chose the only one who really could provide for her. God is at work in the world and in people and places that we might not expect. It raises the question 
of how much we need to know in order to follow God. When I was growing up, there was a real emphasis on counting the cost of following Jesus. And in order to do that, the cost was spelled out in great and vivid detail. Of course, there is a cost to following Jesus. But when you labor that week after week after week without ever saying about the benefit there is in being a child of God, then something gets a bit skewed. In the early church, the way Christians behaved was so radically different to the rest of society that even in the face of persecution, it was clear that the benefits outweighed the cost of discipleship. I wonder how many people have been taught, I wonder how many people I have talked out of fledgling faith by laboring the cost of following Jesus without properly explaining the wonder and beauty and majesty and glory of Jesus without telling of the compassion and grace and mercy and love there is in God. How many people have I put off because I've got it the wrong way around? Isn't it ironic that Naomi left with her family in search of food because their stomachs were empty? But in verse 21 she says, I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. She's got it the wrong way around. She thinks she was full because she had a husband and sons, but she was looking in the wrong place for provision. And yet here again we see God's grace because the chapter ends with these words. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. She's in the right place with the right people at the right time. And think about what... God did for Ruth. The Moabites came from the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter, but the Lord took her out of that godless background and gave her a home in God's people. We see in chapter 2 next week that God met all of Ruth's physical needs. And then in chapters 3 and 4, God gives her a new husband, a generous and kind kinsman redeemer, Boaz, Boaz is a picture of Jesus because he was taking care of Ruth before she even knew it. And Boaz paid a price for her. He chose Ruth to be his wife. And the Lord gave Ruth King David as her great-grandson. And she has the privilege of being named in the New Testament when, when Jesus' ancestry is identified. There she is, Ruth the outsider. Ruth the Moabites, who should have been avoided at all costs. And yet there she is, listed in those people from whom comes Jesus. Think of what Jesus has done for us. He came to earth for us. He died on the cross for us. He rose again from the dead. And now he is risen and ascended to heaven, giving the offer of eternal life to anyone who will believe and accept him as Lord and Savior. Maybe God is saying to you today, your priorities are wrong. You're putting the wrong things first. Or maybe it's you've stepped out of my will for you and you're not in the right place. Or you're choosing people who are not right for you and they're hurting our relationship. But what he says is, I will provide 
all you need if you trust me. Turn to me and I will give you rest. Amen. We're going to sing together a well-known hymn for those of us who have been in church for a while. The hymn is Amazing Grace. Father, we thank you that your promise is to provide everything we need. And that as we go from here into this week and all that stands before us, the the good things and the things that will challenge us, we thank you that your promise is that you will provide all that we need and that you will be with us. So, Father, we thank you for that promise. And now as we go, We ask that your blessing, the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would go with us now and always. Amen.